I, I had a filmmaker last last go around last February that did not get in the festival. And he just sent me this nasty email. And I mean, nasty saying, there's no way your people looked at my film. I have this award winner. It's perfect for the people of Sedona and just on and on and on. I'm insulted. You know, you've taken my money and you haven't looked. And literally that happened to be one of the films. There were not only three reviews, there were five reviews. We didn't, we didn't pull it out of the system before everyone got, you know, more people got a chance to see it. So I called, I said, I am insulted that you sent me this email call me on my cell phone. I am going to read you exactly what our, what our screeners said. And he was so apologetic because the screeners in their comments put things in there that they could only know if they watched the film. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Duchek. That's Patrick Schweiss, Executive Director of the Sedona International Film Festival illuminating the fact you should always take a walk around the block before sending that frustrated filmmaker email. If you can listen to this podcast and not up and make a film specifically so you can apply to Sedona, let me know how you did it. In our conversation, Patrick outlines how the festival treats its filmmakers like celebrities, what you should have for your festival strategy, what he thinks of hybrid festivals, and what the future of the Sedona Film Festival looks like. When Patrick took the festival over, it was bankrupt. It can't be any further away from that now in terms of vitality and importance in celebrating the creators of independent film. Good afternoon, Patrick. How are you? Good, Benjamin. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for making time for the podcast. I'm excited to talk about, I think you're coming up on your 20th year at the Sedona International Film Festival. Before we talk about that, I'm excited to hear about how you got your love for filmmaking. Oh, wow. That's it. Yeah. Yes. I will be celebrating my 20th festival and the organization is going to be 30. So I came along in year 11 and um, oh, cool. I just have a love for filmmaking and the and the creativity of the projects and the, the the creativity of filmmakers. You know, I came along, I knew nothing about independent film when I took this job, literally nothing, and came in to help save the organization. It had, had gone bankrupt and they hired me to kind of turn the place around. So I had to learn very quickly what independent film was and it gave me such a great appreciation because prior to that, I had literally been just a film fan and I wrote the movie reviews okay. for the local newspaper and just fell in love with the art of cinema and all that it entails. It's really quite remarkable. And now to be able to showcase filmmakers, especially up and coming new filmmakers, makes me very, very proud. So did you have a business background? Because that seems like it's a lot of weight to carry of here, let's help save this bankrupt organization. Yeah, I had a little bit of business background, but mostly a PR and marketing background. That's that's kind of what my what my schooling was when I went to Arizona State was uh, journalism, marketing, public relations, and I started working for a publishing company shortly after college, and then worked for my in laws' newspaper. You know, my 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 in laws own started sixty years ago and owned the only newspaper in Sedona, and it's been in the family for all sixty years. So I get incredibly good press because I sleep with the owners. You know, that was <laughs> that was you know, and, I, and I, so I come from a PR background. So when it came time to take over the festival. I knew what it took to write a good press release. I knew what it took to get good publicity, good marketing out there. And that was really what helped turn it around because I literally had no background in film whatsoever. And so I think it was more my more than my, I had a little bit of business background, but more my marketing and PR savvy that 
kind of worked in my favor. And I assume you believe that that is a big part of running a festival, right? Is maybe less oh, absolutely. on the business side, yeah. although there's some of that, but a lot of it is just how you market yourself as a festival. That's exactly right. I mean, it's it's all how you position yourself and your branding and what you're all about. And years and years into this process, it's the same concepts. It's the same concepts 20 years ago as today. You know, there's much more social media, obviously, now. And you've got to be savvy in knowing what works and what doesn't work for your organization. You know, we've got a really solid reputation I'm very grateful for and very thankful for our filmmakers and our audience members for ranking us in the festival world the way they do. So automatically we get some of that residual every year from people, the word of mouth. But every year we've found some really incredible ways to market the festival in the industry and locally. We're a very strong regional destination festival. And what that means simply is we're not affiliated with a metropolitan area. You've got to work to get your way to Sedona. You know, we're two hours away from the nearest international airport, but we're a beautiful destination festival. The Red Rocks of Sedona are a draw. And I know that that's what brings a lot of people to our film festival as well, is just the fact of coming to Sedona to experience the beauty that is here. And so we built on that reputation, not only as our film festival has gained a stellar reputation, but we certainly have a destination that has a beautiful reputation around the world for people to come and enjoy Sedona. I always joke and say, you know, we got one of the most beautiful destinations in the world. And what do we do when you get here? We put you in a dark theater. <laughs> but when they're not watching films, they can hike and bike and do all the wonderful things that nature has to offer as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so many independent filmmakers I speak with talk about their festival strategy. How do you see the role of festivals in supporting independent film? And do you think any changes need to be made? Yeah, you know, I think film festivals fill a really crucial role in for filmmakers and especially up and coming filmmakers, short filmmakers, you know, people doing their first features, their first documentaries. We fill a very important role in that we get their film exposure. You know, a lot of people, a lot of them may not get distribution right out of the gate. A lot of them may not have the wherewithal to forewall the films and put them in theaters themselves. They may not get either one of those and they just need to get their films shown. And the film festivals serve a very port, very key part of that puzzle. We're able to get them exposure. We're able to get them audiences. We're able to hopefully get them some winning laurels on their posters and things uh, that will help them in marketing and help them get into other festivals and maybe get a distribution deal. So I really see it as a viable, a very valuable partnership between the two in working together, not only that the films make the festival extraordinary, but that the festival experience makes that film's journey extraordinary and launches them. We pride ourselves on being a really filmmaker-friendly festival. We spoil our filmmakers. The filmmakers are our celebrity guests. Yes, every festival needs the celebrities. They're the eye candy. You know, they're what people come to see. But bottom line, we really feel like our filmmakers are the ones that need to be and should be and always will be honored because they're the ones, this is their blood, sweat, and tears. You know, they, they bankrolled the films, their families have bankrolled the films and you know, their life savings are often put into these projects that are such beautiful works of art. And I think we owe it to them to really showcase them in the best light possible. And so does a festival like yours play a role in matchmaking? So like when a filmmaker shows up, treat them like a celebrity. Are there, do you play a role in like, hey, can you meet my friend Fred who works for a distribution company? Is that sort of the role in your, yeah, uh, for you know, your organization? Sort of and sort of not. You know, we are not a market festival. 
You know, we're not a Sundance. We're not a Toronto where distributors go to buy films. We are focused okay. strictly on exhibition. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't happen here because there are distributors who come because they love our festival and they love the product that we show. And they, they teach some of our workshops and speak on some of our panels. So that does happen here kind of behind the scenes and we connect filmmakers whenever we can to these opportunities, but it is not our focus, but it does happen. Okay. And even more so what happens, what we found magically happens is not only those connections with distributors and certainly after the festival, a lot of those things happen uh, when the festival laurels appear and we announce our award winners, you know, a lot of those will get some, that'll start the preliminary talks for distribution. But what is more magical that happens is just the interaction between other filmmakers, other panelists. There are so many of the connections that happen at our festival as a result of just hanging out. I mean, in the in the process of how I say we spoil filmmakers and we make them the celebrities, they get VIP passes to the festival. We feed them every day in the VIP lounge, lunch and dinner. That's awesome. There's a party every night. There's free workshops all week long. So there's all sorts of opportunities for them to network. We put them up to in a hotel for up to four nights for our festival. They literally get the opportunity to work side by side with industry professionals and up and coming filmmakers. So what we've heard over the last few years and what we've seen happen is a lot of these friendships form and these working bonds form and they come back and do their next project together with someone that they met at our festival. Oh, and then, cool. So couple that with the, the times that films have gone on for distribution. Six of our films got picked up right after the festival this past February, six feature films. And probably awesome. about a dozen short films went on to get into other festivals because they used ours. They got awards at our festival and used that in working with the other festivals to get in. So there's been some really wonderful things that have developed as a result of our festival. And so in the off season, Patrick, when you're not working the festival, are you going to other festivals? Are you recruiting filmmakers to submit? What? Uh, obviously, you're participating in podcasts. What other kind of activities are you doing sort of on your off season time? You know, we go to as many film festivals as we can. You know, obviously I can't get to everyone. We do have, because, because one of the wonderful things that have has happened over the last 20 years is 11 years ago, we built our own uh, independent film theater that we operate all year long, the Mary D. Fisher Theater. It became so popular. We added a second screen, the Alice Gill Sheldon Theater. So now we've got two theater screens that we program 365 days a year. So we're doing independent films, foreign films, those kind of things, documentaries all year long, four shows a day, two in each theater. So that's keeping me pretty busy. But we do, I get to as many as I can. We also have scouts at a bunch of the festivals. So I'm getting, you know, when Sundance is happening, you know, Sundance happens a month before our festival. So there's no way our team can leave. But we're getting daily, daily feedback. And we leave a couple of spots as TBAs in our festival, so we can program some gems from Sundance. But we're getting we're getting word every day from our scouts that are there, or in Toronto, or Telluride, or those kind of things. We are constantly watching with both people that we have there on the ground, and then we keep good tabs on the award winners and on films that have performed well at other festivals after their festivals. We go to their websites, we read their the reactions, we read the critics than the audience reactions. And we specifically scout from those festivals when films have done really well that we think are going to play well here in Sedona. That's awesome. It sounds like Sedona is such a filmmaker friendly festival. So when I was submitting my short documentary 
to festivals. I felt like there was a lot of festivals that were just using it for revenue generation. We'll look at your film if you pay $50, $100. So I imagine Sedona, under your leadership, is no longer bankrupt. That's great. Uh, but Thankfully, how- knock on wood. <laughs> how do you see the funding model of festivals right now? Do you feel like the model is going to continue the way it is? It'll go online or some sort of hybrid? Yeah. Uh, well, personally, and I'll, I'll address that part of the question first. Personally, I will never be doing anything virtual ever again with the Sedona Film Festival, nor will I do a hybrid. We, we all had to adapt during the pandemic and create these opportunities for our film lovers to still enjoy films because while we were sequestered in our homes, which was important to keep our films out and get films exposed during that time when people couldn't go to theaters or were too and or even after the pandemic when they were too afraid to go to theaters but by doing that we all did ourselves a very big disservice because now it's hard to get people back to theaters so you know getting them to come out of their homes to come back to the theater getting them to to step away from the streaming services and experience films in a communal setting, which was what they were intended to be in a big screen surrounded by other people enjoying the same film. So yes, it filled a great void and filled a great purpose during the pandemic, but it really has made it harder for people to come back to theaters and for us all to get back into the, that part of the business. So to answer that question, I think it's a great and important thing for certain festivals and for certain people, but, we will only be doing live things from here on out at the Sedona Film Festival. And, and again, I think that's important because so many filmmakers that had films that came out during the pandemic did not get that experience of, of having that film shown with an audience. You know, when you're watching your film on a laptop or something, it, it even happens to us when we're when we're watching films for consideration for the festival. You're sidetracked. You got to get up and go to the restroom. You may not hit pause. You want to go get a snack. You may not hit pause. The kids are screaming in the background or you're at work watching it and there's, there's all sorts of distractions. You're not getting that full experience of being in a theater in the dark along with other people. And we owe it to our filmmakers to put their films out in the best possible format in the best possible way. And that is live and in a theater. And we, we are very proud. We did not miss a year of a live theater. We wanted, we were one of the last festivals to take place live before the pandemic shut things down. We were right at the end of February in 2020, two weeks later, everything shut down in 2021. The world was kind of still shut down, but we just shifted our festival by three months and made it a summer festival just for that year. But we did it as a live and a hybrid that year, the only time we've done it. And again, it was so much work to make those films available digitally for people and did not get the return on the investment for us or for the filmmakers. So we vowed never to do it again. So 2022, 23 were both live festivals only. And some of our filmmakers that came to the festival were like, wow, This is the first time I made my film two years ago, right in the heart of the pandemic. It's the first time I've gotten to experience my film on the big screen with an audience. And what a difference, you know? So I think that that's very, very important. As far as addressing your first question to go backwards, um, you know, the, the, we pride ourselves. Um, I understand what you're saying about, you know, you wonder if your film is ever seen and is it just a money revenue generator for the festivals? A lot of people don't understand that film festivals are not a money-making proposition. 
they're a money drainer, quite frankly, but we do it for the love of the art. And basically across the country and across the world, ticket sales at film festivals only account for one third of the operating revenue. All the rest has to be made up by film submissions, grants, corporate sponsorships, memberships, those kind of things. So while the film submission revenue is not a huge part of the budget, it is part of that puzzle for film festivals. It is part of that trying to make the bottom line and keep your festival afloat. And I understand there's many festivals around the world that may or may not look at your films, may take that money and not give your film the due that it's it's that it's due, quite frankly. But we Every film that comes across our door is seen by at least three different screeners and rated. So if anybody, if for example, if you were to submit a film and we declined it and you had no idea why, right. you reached out to us and said, hey, I thought this was the perfect fit for Sedona. Why didn't my film get in? We will actually- That happens? People, people send you that message? Oh yeah, all the time. And we will actually- say, you know, are you up open to some constructive criticism or what are, you know, we want to make sure they're, first of all, they can handle hearing what we're about to tell them, but we read them. We don't give the people's names, but we read them the comments that our screeners have written and why the film may or may not have gotten in. Now, there's also the flip side of that, which is the positive, the more positive rejection. Sometimes films don't get in the festival just simply because there's not enough time slots in the lineup. We get that a lot. We get about 1,500 films for submission in submitted for the festival, and we are only able to show 150 of them. So only one out of every 10 films is selected. Sometimes there's just bad films. You know, sometimes, you know, they may think they have the next work of art, and it just is not a good film or is not a good fit for our audience. But it, inevitably, it comes down to a couple hundred films at, at the end, at the final deadline, that are vying for the few positions that are left in the festival. So sometimes we have to turn away a really good film just because there's not room in the lineup. And those are actually the fun calls. When, when a filmmaker calls and says, hey, gosh, I thought I had the, the perfect film for Sedona. How did I not get in? Well, we're able to tell them, you made the final cut. You ju- we just didn't have, we had to make some very difficult decisions at the end. Your film was very highly rated. We just didn't have the space for it. Now, fortunate for us, because we own an art house th- theater, a lot of those films that don't make the festival lineup, we will bring back during the year here at the fe- here at the theaters. And because we own the theaters, they can still consider themselves an official selection of the Sedona International Film Festival. We're just showing them in a slightly different format, theatrically versus the festival. But we very, very, very much take that film submission fee very seriously because we know it's a lot of money out of the filmmakers' pockets to submit to all the festivals, to try to get in. And, and we never, ever take that for granted. So every film is rated by at least three people when it comes across our threshold. Is that an industry standard where festivals will share that information with you? That seems pretty unique. You know, there are some that will not. Again, I'm not on that end of it. So I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not you know privy to that information. Uh, but we have heard from other filmmakers that we are very rare, that a lot of festivals will not share that information. I, I had a filmmaker last last go around, last February, that did not get in the festival. And he just sent me this nasty email. And I mean nasty, saying, there's no way your people looked at my film. I have this award winner. It's perfect for the people of Sedona. And just on and on and on. I'm insulted. You know, you've taken my money and you haven't looked. And literally, that happened to be one of the films. There were not only three reviews, there were five reviews. We didn't, we didn't pull it out of the system before everyone got, you know, more people got a chance to see it. So I call, I said, I am insulted that you sent me this email, call me on my cell phone, 
I'm going to read you exactly what our, what our screener said. And he was so apologetic because the screeners in their comments put things in there that they could only know if they watched the film. You know, they actually, some of them referenced specific scenes in the film. So he knew we were not feeding him full of any crap. Our screeners had actually watched it. A lot of filmmakers don't get feedback from other festivals or may feel like they're not seen. At the Sedona Film Festival, your film is absolutely seen. We are committed to the filmmakers. That's awesome to hear. Do you have thoughts on what it takes, what the route independent emerging filmmakers should take on a lot of my podcast episodes, I've discussed whether people should make a short, whether they should just jump right into a feature. You know, if I'm just starting out, how do I make a name for myself in independent film? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I don't have a solid answer for that other than you got to do what you're passionate about. You know, don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. If you're, if you're passionate about documentaries, make documentaries. If you're passionate about short films, make short films. Short films are calling cards. They get you the first experience. A lot of, a lot of people aren't ready to do a feature right out of the gate, but follow your passion, do what you're passionate about and do what you're good at and just keep getting better at it. There is a wonderful woman who works at USC film school, Sandrine Cassidy. And she was a, she was a guest of ours and she's going to come back this year as well. She was a guest speaker of ours at our film festival. And she gives a great talk about, about just what you asked about finding your passion. And do I do a short, do I do a feature? Do I do a documentary? How do I start? And then Equally important, how do I get into festivals and which festivals are right for my film? And she opens up by saying, everybody automatically goes, I've got to get into Sundance. I've got to get into Sundance or I've got to get into Toronto. Well, not every film is a Sundance film and not every film is a Toronto film, but it, uh, every film can be, you know, a Telluride film, an Ashland film, a Port Townsend film, the Sedona Film Festival film, a, a Heartland Film Festival in Indianapolis, one of the greatest festivals in the world. So don't limit yourself by thinking there's certain festivals you have to get in because that's what the industry says. Find the festival that's right for you and find the festival that you think your film will get the most traction in and, and go for that. So I think that's the important role of filmmakers in, in identifying what that is. Because if you're, I mean, you go on Film Freeway, you're a filmmaker, you, you go on there and I mean, there's thousands of film festivals that you can submit to. It can literally bankrupt you by trying to submit to all the festivals. So you have to be, you have to search by genre, by niche, by whatever that is that your, you think your festival, your film will rise to the top at those festivals. But that's, that's a really key and important thing to identify because so many people are crushed if they submit to Sundance and they don't get in. Well, Sundance gets, I, I forgot what the latest count was, 15, 18,000 films, something like that in for consideration. Even if you have a great film, it may go unnoticed. At, at Sundance, even if you even if you do get in, you know, and, and the chances of you getting in are incredibly slim. So focus on other festivals that you may have more of a chance on. So I think that's important for filmmakers to kind of take that as part of their process. And certainly as part of the the budgeting process when you're making a film is remember that piece of what comes after the film. You know, the film festival submission fees, the marketing the attempts to you know get your film in front of distributors that's a whole other budgetary and and monetary consideration you have to take into consideration so that's awesome so let's sell people on going to the Sedona International Film Festival because I'm ready to book my tickets yeah <laughs> when is the festival next <laughs> I am a, I love Sedona oh, man. when is the festival yeah. next year when is the submission deadline 
all those details? Oh, yeah. So, so our festival itself, it's our 30th anniversary festival. It's February 24th through March 3rd, nine days. So we book it, we book in two different weekends and it is, we're, we're open for submissions. Now we have our regular deadline coming up next week. And then we have our last deadline, November 1st. If you're a film freeway member, filmmaker, of course, you get an extended two weeks to November 15th. And then we pick the films in early December and start notifying filmmakers right away. And that's another thing, Benjamin, I'm, that we, we, I understand that we are very different than other festivals. You always know where you stand with our festival. And this is one of the selling points. And you say, sell the Sedona Film Festival. This is, this is part of this. When we get your film in for submission, we always let you know, thank you for your submission. We have received your film. It is in the, it's, it's in the screening process. We notify you by you know, late December, early January. So immediately when people submit to us, they don't, they're, they're not left in a black hole wondering, did Sedona get my film? When it's in the submissions, in our submission database and you've met all the criteria, we send you an email saying, dear Benjamin, we got your film, call the wild or whatever it is, and it is in the submission process. So immediately we've, we've established that rapport with you. Then the films that are rejected get a very, everybody gets notified. So you'll get an email saying, we are so sorry your film was not selected. We, ne- we never leave any gray area, gray area. And those go out uh, around the beginning of January. But in the meantime, I'm calling personally, I'm calling every filmmaker of the 150 films, telling them over wow. the phone, congratulations, you're in. And I, and they, I understand that's very rare. People are like, oh my God, the director's calling me? That's part of how we take care of our filmmakers. And so I call every one of the 150 and then follow it up with an email with the paperwork, what we need, what the deadlines are, and what we provide, and that kind of thing. Like I said, if you can get yourself here, we don't have the budget to fly people here or bring them in other than you know some of our, our honoree guests and things. But for filmmakers, every filmmaker, whether you have a two-minute film or a two-hour film, we give you up to four nights at a festival hotel, two passes, you know, for you and a guest. And then we, if you need to buy more passes, we make them really cheap for you. But they give you unlimited access to all the films, a party every night, food in the VIP lounge, the workshops, the receptions, all that kind of stuff. I always joke with people and say, you can probably come to Sedona. Once you get here, if you just get yourself here, we'll put you up and get you all this food. You could probably come with $20 in your pocket. And you might leave with 13 because you might have to tip a few people. Uh, we take very, very good care of our filmmakers. And we are, as you said, we're in an v- incredibly beautiful place. So you, you can't help but love the festival just by waking up in your hotel or your accommodations, look out, see the beautiful Red Rocks, come over and experience incredible uh, hospitality and generosity of our community. And we are also, and this is, I like to brag about this, but this is not anything I've put out there. Our filmmakers always tell us we've got some of the most sophisticated audiences they've ever shown their films to. Our audience loves the filmmakers. They engage with them at the Q&As, out in the lobby, after the films, as they see them on the streets. Literally, our community rolls out the red carpet. We always say it's a little bit of Hollywood Tinseltown. The the red, red carpet meets the red rocks. And that's how we treat our filmmakers. So I hope that any filmmakers who are listening to this podcast will say, Hey, I've got to go to Sedona. That's the festival to be in. That's awesome, Patrick. And if you could uh, have your wishes for the Sedona International Film Festival for five, 10 years from now, what would that look like? I get that question a lot and from, from even audience members. And everyone assumes that the answer is going to be, we want to be bigger, you know, this kind of thing, da-da-da. 
we don't want to be bigger. We just want to be better. We want to always get the best independent films. We want to be in 10 years from now. Benjamin, when you're making your next film, we want, we want you to go, I've got to submit to Sedona. We want to be forefront on everyone's mind that they are such a good festival that automatically, whatever other festivals we, we enter in the world, we have to enter Sedona. We have to go to Sedona. And that's what we want. We want to be known as a quality festival that launches our next generation of filmmakers. We've maxed out the town. Our hotel rooms are booked, you know, that kind of thing. We, we show in five different venues, our two theaters, and then we rent the two big theaters at, at the local Cineplex, Harkins Theaters. And then we put all the big events at our Performing Arts Center of 750 seats. Most of the time, our theaters are full. It's very rare that we have empty seats. So we've maxed out on how big we can get. And certainly, we don't want to go longer than nine days. So rather than get bigger, we want to get better. We want the quality. We want the the quality of what we're offering to always be top-notch so that people know they can sign up for their passes for the Sedona Film Festival even before we announce our lineup, and they know they're going to see something extraordinary. And that's what we want to do. That's where I see us in the future years. I love that so much. Patrick Schweiss of the Sedona International Film Festival, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Benjamin. Honored to be part of it. Thanks for including me. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, give the pod a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Early access to episodes and other subscription benefits are available on Red Circle, Patreon, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to be highlighted on the show, please send an email to firstgopod at gmail.com and let's help creators get their first time go.